You're listening to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I'm your host, LM Fisher, musician, producer, and creator. This episode of our industry-focused collaboration with the Roots Music Project features Liz and Kenny Vasco, owners of Doghouse Music Studios and local venue, The End, Lafayette. We spoke virtually about creating opportunities for the community, how to make the most out of studio time, the importance of clarity in show marketing, and so much more. This is the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast with Liz and Kenny Vasco. are tuning in to the Sonic Guild Colorado podcast. I am here today with Liz and Kenny Vasco from Doghouse Music. Welcome. Thank Thank you. So you guys are the owners of Doghouse Music, a hub for Colorado Mm -hmm. bands and musicians looking to write, rehearse, record, perform, and distribute their music. This also includes the End Lafayette, a live music venue nestled inside the recording studios. How did this space get started? It's such a cool idea. Uh, completely by accident, really. <laughs> uh, so this was this building that we're in right now is a rehearsal. It started out as a rehearsal studio complex uh, about 20 years ago. And the previous owner had built out a bunch of soundproof rooms, uh, over 20 soundproof rooms in this building. And there was a essentially a colony of musicians hanging out here. Uh, and about five years ago, we found out that the building was for sale and it was actually set to be demolished. And, uh, Liz and I talked to the people who were going to be demolishing it and said, Hey, why don't you not do that? And a few months later, we, we owned a music studio. Um, yeah, so we really saw the community that was here and that's like kind of what first got us started into this whole world. I mean, we have like no real background in music, (laughs) um, other than just like, we like playing instruments and we like seeing music and, um, but we just saw the community and, and it was really like one of those rare gems where you're like, oh, this just doesn't happen every day. It would be really sad to lose this. And then once we you know, bought the studio, we felt like, oh, we could do so much more with it, like more than just kind of people passing in the hallway, like really building up the community. And um, that's what kind of led us to do more events here. And then um, we started doing recording here. Um, And then that's why we wanted to open the live music venue to just have a really small kind of intimate space where bands could have shows and not worry so much about like needing to sell a ton of tickets or just kind of a a nice like community space where friends and family could come in and see kind of where you rehearse, where you record. Um, And it's kind of, yeah, just grown tighter from there. Oh, that's fantastic. What a cool idea to continue the legacy of a community like that, especially in the local music scene. It's so important these days Mm -hmm. to have that space where people can come and really be together and enjoy live music and practice and you know, be a part of all of the wonderful things that comes along with making music. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things we've realized really quickly is that some of the biggest fans in the music scene are also the musicians themselves. Whenever we have uh, bands coming in to perform, I would say probably a third of our audience are members of other bands or friends of the bands or Mm -hmm. uh, just this, this organic uh, ecosystem of of people who really want to to see music moving forward in the area. 
What are some of the challenges that you find artists face when dealing with the business side of making music now that you're kind of the hub of all of these musicians coming together? Yeah. So I always see it as just being a musician and and kind of being in bands. It's sort of like you have your artist side, which is like why you started doing it in the first place to express yourself and make art and all like those beautiful things about music. And then now you have a band, which basically means like now you have a business. So you're like also trying to run this entire business that is the band. Um, and I always think the easier we all can make it for bands to be able to focus on that artist side and not have to do the business side as much as possible is great. But of course, when you're starting out, you have to do both. And do I don't everything. know that there's a way around that unless you're independently wealthy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. So I find that a lot of bands, they they struggle a lot with kind of that consistency of like, what's my branding? What's What do I want the look of my you know social media to be? How do I have like consistent content that's coming out? And making sure they're putting just the basics, like really starting small of like, if you're promoting your show, like you have to say where it is, what time, how do people buy tickets? I see so many, especially young bands, they'll make these hilarious videos. And then you watch it and you're like, that's great. How, where are you playing? What time? Like, where is this show? <laughs> so um, I always think like, it's fun to be, to do all those kind of fun things, especially like the trends with like TikTok and everything. Um, but don't forget the, also to include like the basics of how people can really find you. The other thing is just, it feels so icky sometimes, but just telling everywhere you play, telling people like where they can find your music. We get so many folks at our open mic nights and we just yell from the back, like, where can people listen to you? because they'll just get off stage and you're like, that was beautiful, but I'd like to hear more. Um, so I see those kind of basics as the starting blocks of like making it feel a little less challenging to to run the business side of things while your heart is really doing the music side. What about you, Kenny? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I, I spent 15 years as an accountant and a business person uh, before we did this venture. And the way that I will tell musicians to look at it is that if you want this to be a career for you, right? If you want to, what I say, cross that chasm from this being your, your side gig to this being your main gig, then you do have to think about it in some ways as a job, right? Like if you are working at an office in Denver, then you might be getting a paycheck every two weeks. If you're not working at that office anymore, you're going to need to you know, fill your grocery card every week. You're going to need to pay your rent. Uh, and these are all things that that come up. And and I I do think that musicians can struggle in the beginning to make that connection. Uh, and they may not make that connection until they feel that stress financially or mentally or, or just from a, a time standpoint. Oh, my gosh, I don't have enough time to work on my craft because I'm, bu I'm busy doing all these other things. So maintaining that balance and then also making sure that you are getting paid what you are worth. Uh, those are two very important things that may not be on the creative side of your brain, but have to be on the logical side of your brain. I think that takes us really in an exciting way into our next question. What kinds of goals should artists be making towards that successful music career? And what are some ways that they can keep on track besides maybe having to feed yourself <laughs> having the struggle? Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, and I actually, I was just talking with Liz about this very question. Uh, and, uh, and if I'm talking too much, definitely. No, that's okay. it. Go ahead. <laughs> um, I do think that when you ask someone how, or, or when someone asks you, Hey, how do I become successful? 
successful. My immediate question back is, what is your definition of success? Because to some people in this area, it's playing the same five bars every year and having the same group of friends cheer you on. And sometimes you're just getting paid in beer. And that is success for a number of musicians in this area. Uh, there are other musicians that want to make this their full-time job. They want to make a career out of it. And then there are others who say, I want to win a Grammy, or I want to go on a world tour, or I want to be famous or infamous. <laughs> um, so depending on that definition, that's going to drive how, how you stay on track. Uh, because if your goal is to win a Grammy, then it's not just putting out the best music you can. It's about networking. It's about joining the recording academy sessions, uh, reaching out to the Denver reps, reaching out to the LA reps, doing that master networking that musicians love to do, right? Um, <laughs> uh, and, it, and it may detract from you focusing on your craft, but if, if it's really important to you to win a Grammy, you have to know what those steps are in order to do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, it is really important to set kind of those goals. I often tell artists who record here, like, and they, and they, you know, they made something really beautiful and they're ready to release it. Now, like, how do I do that? What, what should my strategy be? And I like to think about, like, think about the next year. Like, how do you want to think about your year? When would you like to be releasing music? What do you want your summer to look like? Is your goal to go on tour all summer? Then you want to, you know, maybe release some music beforehand and then think about when you're going to come back and give yourself that time to write and then give yourself that time to record. And, you know, all those things just end up taking time, like the mixing process and mastering. And then you want to release like on a nice, even schedule. So I often say like, it sounds so boring, but really like break out your Google calendar and make some real like points on the calendar when you want to do things like that. Um, and then kind of also in that maybe boring realm is <laughs> make sure you're, you're budgeting as well. So thinking about you want to play music, make some money from those things. Do you want to invest in merch? You'd probably want to invest in recording. So thinking about like, where do you invest so that then you can make some money to support yourself and then also like keep going with your music and your career in that way. Um, and, and of course, thinking about how can I draw in over time the people that can really help me so that I can do even more because doing it all yourself, especially if you're also working other jobs is a lot. So I, I often think like find the right time to bring in other people who specialize in what you're doing so that after a while you can really offload some of those business tasks and focus the most on your art. Yeah, it really does take a village to keep that wheel turning. <laughs> yes. What should bands be budgeting for recording, mixing, mastering? Of course, it probably depends on the studio, but at Doghouse, working with independent artists, what's the big picture there for them? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a really good question. And there is a, a business definition for this called the value chain, right? So every part of the music creation and distribution process has value, which is why not just a musician gets paid, but also a an engineer gets paid or a mastering engineer gets paid or a distributor gets paid. So you have to make sure that you are assigning that mental value to each of those parts of the process. And studios do different do it differently depending on who you're working with. And we love all the studios in this community. Everyone works together. Everyone talks with each other. And, you know, we all see each other at shows and have a good time jumping up and down to the same bands. And I, I do think that the the biggest difference is going to be there are going to be studios that will provide you a flat rate 
And there will be studios that will provide you an hourly rate for different services. So it's good to, I, you know, in my mind, I would I would talk to three or four different studios if you're looking to record, if you're looking to mix and master and make, you know, do the vibe check, right? Make sure that the engineer or that the studio uh, aligns with you know, not just your creative process, but also your values and, and what you want to get out of it. Uh, and then at the on the other side of it, you want to take a look at and say, how how much time do I think this is going to take? <laughs> right. Because uh, there are some bands that will come in, they have it completely dialed in, they do two or three takes of a song and uh, boom, it's all recorded in the course of half a day or a day. And then there are other bands that come in and they might take a year uh, to to get an album done and out the door. So it, it's good to have that reality check with yourself of how produced do I want this to sound? How much time and money am I going to invest into it? You know, our hourly rates are on our website and we try to have as much transparency as possible uh, on our pricing structures. If you do find a studio is less forthcoming with their pricing structures, I do see that as a bit of a red flag and it might be time to, to go elsewhere. But we haven't really seen that too much in Colorado in specifically, you know, in, in our region. So everyone's everyone's been pretty nice and pretty transparent. Yeah. And I think one thing I often tell bands is they walk into our studio and they're like, this is so cool. And they feel so excited. And I love that. And at the same time, I also always say, like, ask for a budget, like ask really those nitty gritty questions or write them down ahead of time, because when you get there, it's just so exciting. And it's nice to have like kind of pre-planned some of the things you know you want to ask about because it's easy to just want to talk about your music and you just and then all of a sudden your meeting's over and you're like wait I, I don't really know what we decided on <laughs> right oh and that that actually that brings up a really good point the more prepared you are the cheaper it is to record yes uh and i cannot stress this enough if you can play your song along to a click track or a metronome and if you have a unified voice within your group of how you want this to sound then you can get it all done in a very short amount of time we we had a we had one band where they spent six hours in our studio just working on their guitar tone and i they're like oh yeah build build me for it and we you know we felt incredibly guilty doing that but at the same time this was studio time that they had booked mm -hmm. and it's a lesson for us really to we tell people up front during our consultations being like be ready you know if if you are ready then this will be cheaper for you if you are not ready this might get a little painful painful yes <laughs> I think that's great advice, especially just thinking about the economy of time. It's not something you really think about when you're creating stuff. And yeah, you get so excited and you're just like, oh my God, I'm recording. Like we're doing it. We're going to make our music. But there is a value to like how long that takes. And I, I mean, I'm a huge Google Calendar fan too. <laughs> so I'm like, yes, like Google out how much time you're going to be in the studio in and out. Like it's important. So you're working on a deadline really. And you're not, I mean, I would love to be able to just mess around on a guitar tone for six hours that would be incredible what a, what a, a luxury yes <laughs> but yep. for, for a lot of independent artists that's maybe not the case as exactly. a smaller venue that you operate generally how do you guys approach booking and promoting a show yeah um, so we actually divide and conquer. Kenny does the booking and I do the promotion. Um, but we do meet a lot about it. Um, I would say our booking strategy, I mean, we're really new, so I'm sure we're like making mistakes and figuring some things out. Um, but we do try to stick pretty closely to the, I'll call it like the values of our studio. So we think a lot about how do we bring more diversity 
Obsidian to the acts that are playing, um, it would be in Colorado. It would be so easy to book all white dude bands all the time. Like that's who approaches us about playing. We could book them like every month of the year. <laughs> so you, <laughs> I always think like it, you really do need to like step back and say, what? How do I want to represent this as a venue space and just the music industry in general? So we really do go out of our way to try to make sure we're getting lots of different people lots of different types of music um just because that's what we like and i think it's it makes it a little bit more fun we're not we're definitely not like genre specific in that way in booking um but we do still have some things we look for like we do have to look at how how big of a following does this band have on their social media and how many listeners do they have on spotify so there is some business side of it too because you know we would hate we um we pay our performers based on ticket sales so our goal is to ultimately give all of the ticket sales to bands um and just have the bar sales support the venue um so really like we you know if there's only 25 people showed up that would be heartbreaking so we do think about that side um and then with promotion um you know we really try to design everything in-house and share all that with the artists because that goes along with my personal feeling that <laughs> artists should be there to make music and not have to be designing posters and all of this stuff so we do offer like all the posters and social media content and if they want to make extra stuff of course that's great too um but we like to have that base of like here's all the things we'll need to promote the show and we try to put it on lots of different independent magazines and newspapers and anywhere we can anywhere we can promote we do yeah and and it is a it's a constant experiment yes you know, we will do things that work we will do things that don't and that is a that's a risk we really want to take on because we don't just want to be a place that will put in you know bar bands or cover bands that you know seven nights a week or something like that that's like hey play tom petty again play tom petty again um no no disrespect to the people playing tom petty but at the same time we want there to be a variety we want the stage to reflect the cultural fabric of our region and we think that as a venue, we can do a good job of that. So from your guys' perspective, what's working? And what have you done that doesn't work? <laughs> and is there a way that bands can kind of jump in and contribute? Like, is what's what is there like a team effort that that yields the best audience? Yeah, absolutely. So that is our the hypothesis that we started with the working with us, you know, being a small venue, is that every concert is a, a partnership between the musicians and the venue. So we work together to make sure that we put as many people as we can inside the venue to listen to music um and as you might understand that 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 sometimes works out as like a like a college group project right where you might have uh some bands that are doing heavy marketing and other bands that barely show up and um and the amount of people in the venue reflects that mm -hmm. uh so it is a it is a it's a gamble every time that we book a band or book a book an act because they might be able to sell 75 tickets. They might be able to sell five tickets. And in the the independent scene, it is very hard to know. There's no such thing as a sure thing. You know, you're not you're not booking a a, a Doja Cat or a Billie Eilish or uh, or Foo Fighters, right? You're you're booking uh, people that have a local following. And are they going to show up to Boulder County or are they going to stay at their apartment in Littleton and not go out that night? Yeah. Uh, so there's there's a lot of unknowns. Unknowns. Risk. Yeah. Yeah. 
I would say um, I like to tell the bands that the performers that we book in our venue, like you are also taking a chance on us. Like we are a new venue. No one really knows us. Um, so that puts a lot of the impetus to promote on the bands themselves. And and it makes makes or breaks the show. If a band does a lot of promotion, it almost always turns out well. And if they don't, it's usually like a little bit meager in the crowd. And we're trying to get like other bands in the building to come in and watch the show. Um, so it's both ways. Like, like it's hard to be a venue that is so cool that people just show up at it just and to see whatever band is playing. I would love it if we ever got there, but you know, like maybe Red Rocks is like that. <laughs> but yeah. We, <laughs> right. Yeah. Red Rocks. You don't, usually, you don't care who's playing at Red Rocks. You're it's, at like, Red it's Rocks. beautiful. But, um, but usually people who come here, like they're here for that specific band and they'll stay for the other band a lot of times too, just to check them out. But they, you know, we're not like near anything. We're sort of in this cul-de-sac in a tech center in Lafayette. So there's nothing cool around. Like people aren't walking by. So it's it is really a like they're the performers are trusting us that we'll do what we can to get people to come. And we're trusting them that they'll do what they can to get people to come. And and it's amazing when you do flex your network, not just as a musician, but also as a friend, as a family member, as a community member. Uh it's amazing who shows up. Like we had a we had an act play and the entire astronomy department from CU Boulder came and watched the band because one of the, the drummer was in the space program there. So that's 20 people that he alone brought into the, you know, uh, brought into the venue. It's mm-hmm. huge. So you never know where you're That's actually a, probably a, a, a good takeaway is you never know where you're going to find your, your fans and your ticket sales flex every flex, every connection you have. That's incredible. I bet that was a really rowdy show. <laughs> it was nerdy and rowdy. Yes, it was very fun. (laughs) How can venues and artists have uh, communicate their expectations going into a show? Um, Is there any sort of level of communication that you guys like to see? Is it email? Is it showing up and being there in person before the show? Like, what makes you guys feel like, hey? we would love to book this band again because we were all on the same page. Yeah, that's something we like pretty intentionally thought about before we even started the venue is how that would go because we heard so many horror stories from bands where they didn't know what time they were playing or the time kept switching and they didn't know when they were supposed to show up for sound check and then they got there and got yelled at and it's like that kind of ruins your night a little bit. So um, one thing that we do is we have like a real nerdy workflow that we do where we like send bands like these emails of like asking them to perform so we we do almost everything over email sometimes over social media if a band is like really not into email but um usually yeah we send them like an invitation to play with like the date and all the information um and then if they accept that we kind of send them this kind of welcome email that asks for like their stage plot their social media links links to their spotify um just all the things that we need from them as part of their press kit to really be able to promote the show um and and we just have a checklist and we like check it off as they send in different things. Um, and then once we have all that, we make all the promotional materials here and then we'll send those to the band. Um, and then along the way, about a month out from the show, we always send an email that's like, this is how many tickets we've sold. And this is the kind of how we've been doing promotion. And just a little reminder, some bands play a lot of shows and they, you know, it's nice to get back on their radar a little bit about a month out. Um, and then a week out from the show, we 
send another email that says like, this is how many tickets we've done. Has anything changed with your stage plot? Here's when soundcheck will be. Um, and we just kind of keep sending the, that same information so that they can feel really comfortable and confident. And we always let performers know if they want to come in advance and see the space. If they've never been here, they can. Um, so just kind of those little things. And we always make sure they know like how they'll get paid, when they'll get paid, exact like to be really transparent with that. Um, because yeah, there's just so many horror stories and everyone's heard like awful ones or experienced them. So that's sort of our take is to be just really kind of steady and sending that same information that they'll need over a couple times. Um yeah. Yeah. Communication and transparency are very key. Yeah. So we touched a little bit about what you look for when booking a band. Mm -hmm. Maybe there's social media following, there's Spotify listeners. What have you found really works in an EPK to successfully <laughs> help book a show and like stand out amongst, I'm sure, the thousands of waves of emails that you guys probably see? Mm -hmm. Yeah. For me, um, for me, the the two things that stand out are um i am able to see a photo of you playing and a crowd that is engaged uh if i can see that a photo or a video of that then that gives me a little bit more confidence um if i just see photos of just the band i i my i mentally go to like i pan my mental camera and be like are they playing to an empty parking lot or an empty bar so I think it's very important to make sure that in an EPK, you are showing an engaged crowd. Uh, the, the second thing is when I click on your social media, I want to see engagement on your social media. I want to see likes, comments, little hearts, uh, little weird back and forth with, you know, with fans or other bands. Like I want to I want to see that in uh, social engagement. Those are those are the two things that really stand out the most in my mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I would say also um, just seeing that people are releasing music or talking about their music on their social media, that that's like a big focus of like letting people know when you have shows and when your music's coming out. Um, that just shows like that people are really committed, I guess, to what they're doing. Um and then I would like to see, too, like some aspect of like fun. And I'm sure that depends on the venue and the style of music, too. But it's just nice to see people who are on stage looking like they're having a ball and then the crowd's having a ball. And you're like, well, of course we want to book that band. This looks great. Like I, I always, uh, well, I guess not always, but because they haven't been around for very long. But Neptune, one of the Sonic Guild artists, is someone that I, I see as a, a beacon. Or, or someone who has really nailed that that level of engagement. Mm -hmm. And I, I will always point to certain groups or certain artists when, when bands come to us and they say, how should we be doing this? Or what should we be looking like? Uh, I, I point to artists like Neptune uh, or 2MX2 for that that type of engagement, that type of fun and and uh, just the, the 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 fun community building aesthetic, really. Yeah, absolutely. I was lucky enough to actually be at two 2MX2 shows. One was at an elementary school oh. and the level of engagement with those kids was so incredible and also slightly terrifying. <laughs> um, the being in like a mosh pit of you know, like kindergartner to fifth graders was like, whoa, this is something I've never seen before. They were going crazy. And it was just, yeah, you're like, oh yeah, of course. Anytime they play, I'm like, I'm going to go right. see something really fun. Mm -hmm. Any last words of wisdoms to bands out there that are either just starting out or maybe they're ready to start the recording process or maybe looking for 
people to add on to their business and really look for some guidance? Yeah. Um, one thing I often tell bands who are kind of not sure of what to do next or they are kind of just starting out is to really come together as a band Um Especially, you know, you can set up bands different ways. It can be sort of like one person's the leader and everyone else sort of works for that person as the band, or it's really a democracy in the band where they're all doing it together, but really um, communicating. And honestly, I think it's even great to like have something that you all write together, like write down like this is what this band is um, that you can kind of point back to and be like, these are our values. This is our this is our goal. This is how we think we want to get there. Um, but just to be on the same page, because the most heartbreaking thing we see here is bands who make make this incredible music but then like they just can't get along as an organization or as even then ultimately as friends um and that is like to me the worst case scenario when like the music is incredible and like you're like great now you guys should go play shows and they're like well we're actually breaking up because we don't really like each other anymore and it's awful so i would say um really starting with that firm base and and to me that's really nice because then when you run into issues or roadblocks or big decisions you have to make you can kind of look back to that original piece of paper and be like why are we doing this how did we set it up um and that kind of helps you it's like having a mission statement you know it kind of helps you know what you're doing and guide you to the next step um i would also say like it's not the most fun part but really setting like up kind of the business side of the band so like have an account that's the band account for your for your money yes the band bank account how much you're trying to save from each show or each thing to put aside for things like recording and getting merch um those those sort of basics of the business of the band um and, and honestly if you do it like one day a week attend to those things i think that helps a lot yeah i I would say it comes down to networking and organization and staying on the same page within your group those are the the biggest things like networking i always see networking as symbiotic right if you are at if someone's coming to you asking a favor um and there's nothing behind it i i that usually doesn't feel very good right like a, it's it's like a, hey can i borrow 20 bucks what for uh, i'm not going to tell you but uh, you know uh you always want things to be symbiotic whenever you're working in the music music industry because it's a very small and a very tight knit community uh it takes uh a long time to build up these friendships and these relationships and it doesn't take too long to wreck them so make sure that you are being inclusive make sure that you are being uh transparent genuine uh you know as as genuine as you can be and that will go a long way and i do think an overarching goal for everyone should be to grow the ecosystem nobody is in competition with anybody in this industry right there should be more venues more studios more musicians more places to see live music and the larger that pie grows the more room there is for everybody. And if somebody gets a gig over you, or if somebody gets selected for a festival over you, don't hate, right? Appreciate, uh, make, you know, <laughs> that sounds weird, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, you, you want to celebrate the fact that your, your friends and your, your peers are able to get gigs, uh, because that could be you the very next time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop ranting there. <laughs> no, no, no ranting at all. I mean, words of wisdom listen i'll i'll listen for hours i'm like if let me just sponge up every little piece (laughs) (laughs) well thank you so much for your time this has been such a great conversation 
We'll put links in our show notes to Doghouse Music as well as the End Lafayette. If you want to go to shows, you're listening and you are like, I love the way that they sound. They're super cool people. I want to go record there. Um, please do. And thank you again so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you, Lily. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode of the Sonic Guild Colorado Podcast's collaboration with the Roots Music Project. Check out the links in our show notes to learn more about Doghouse Music Studios and the end Lafayette, and to become a member of Sonic Guild Colorado.